Hi, friends, and welcome to the Between the Covers Book Club podcast. If this is your first time listening, we want to let you know that we love you and you are always welcome to sit at our table. Between the Covers believes in passionately pursuing our best selves through inspirational books and elevating and empowering our members along the way. Please take a look at our website, btcbookclub.com backslash podcast to check out what books we are reading in the chapter calendar so you can read along and tune into these podcast discussions. We are all about empowering each other, so please leave us a review and also share this podcast with others. Again, we are so honored to have you on this journey with us. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, Brianne from Between the Covers podcast. Today we are the part three, just the first half of part three. So we'll stop at boulders, but taking a deep dive into what it means to be fully human, being brave for yourself and not being having your bravery be defined by others. And then lastly, noticing your helicopters and what is God or your knowing sending to rescue you and to bring you into it something new. So really excited to unpack this with you guys. Um, as we wrap up Untamed, we've got exciting news moving forward. And so let's jump right in. Just so y'all know, we're going to skip good news of the day. We just felt like, I think we're all on Instagram. We're all seeing everything happening in the world. You see the good and the bad happening. And we just felt like for this week, we're going to just stand with our brothers and sisters in solidarity and not preach on a certain article. So um, we love everyone. We hope everyone's staying safe and also educating and learning. And we're just going to hop in straight to questions. After the questions, we'll um, do quick highs and lows. So girls, be thinking about y'all's highs and lows throughout the episode. And let's hop in. So I'm at the chapter Ghosts. And I'm on page 92. And Glennon is kind of talking about what humans do in relationships and in careers and in life in general. And I'm just going to read a short section of it. And then I have a question on it. So we hurt people and we are hurt by people. We feel left out, envious, not good enough, sick and tired. We have unrealized dreams and deep regrets. We are certain that we were meant for more and that we don't even deserve what we have. We feel ecstatic and then we feel numb. We wish our parents had done better by us. We wish we could do better by our children. We betray and we are betrayed. We lie and we are lied to. We say goodbye to animals, to places, to people we cannot live without. We are so afraid of dying, but also so afraid of living. We have fallen in love and out of love, and people have fallen in love and out of love with us. And then she just basically lists all of these things that we do to people and that we do, that people do to us. And at the very end, she says, if this is our shared human experience, where did we get the idea that there is some other, better, more perfect, unbroken way to be a human? Where is the human being who is functioning correctly against whom we are all judging our own performances for? Who is she? Where is she? And what is her life if it is not these things? My question to y'all is, why do y'all think we have this idea that there's humans out there functioning in air quotes correctly? I mean, we talk a, a lot about this in a lot of different books, but just the impact that social media has on us as far as only seeing the good and not seeing the struggle. Um, and even I, I'm like thinking out loud here, even when I do see someone post quote unquote, the struggle, I'm like, why are they sharing that? Like, I like, that's like my initial reaction of like, why, why are they sharing that the tears in their eyes? Like, 
and so I think that we've just been so trained to hold it all together and hold it in and not be authentic on our social platforms. And so then we're consumed by inauthenticity. How do you say that word? Yeah, you got Um, it. I don't know. What do you think, Emily? Uh, What comes to mind for me is I think we do, we do form certain opinions from our environments and the way that we're raised. So like in our household, what maybe our parents told us was perfect or in our school, like what your friends thought was perfect. And I think that impacts our opinion as well, like even subconsciously. Um, and yeah, just having other peers tell you people that they think are perfect, then that impacts your opinion about what you see as perfect too. And then you're measuring yourself against that standard. Yeah. Almost in that vein, I think it's really hard to be just a whole authentic person in every single situation. And it's just as hard to understand that everybody you're interacting with is a whole person too. And so you're just seeing one side of someone and maybe, you know, they're going to go home and cry Maybe, you know, they think you're this perfect person and you're not. And it's hard to understand that the person that you're interacting with and the people you're seeing out in the world, at the park, at church, at the gym, wherever you go, it's, it's hard to remember that that is not the only thing they are. And there's so many other things, but you know, when you're only seeing somebody like do a thousand crunches and you can only do one, you're like, Oh my God, that, that lady's that superwoman. So I think it's hard to to realize that we're all whole people as much as we talk about it. And as much as we try, I wonder why that's so hard. Yeah. I wonder why that's so hard for us to like think through like we, uh, how often that slips our mind that that one conversation was like the breaking point for that woman's morning or whatever the case may be. I like I forget think that ultimately, I think ultimately it's easier to talk about the good things in your life than the hard things. And so in your day-to-day conversations with coworkers or women at church or like whatever, like Sarah was saying, like the people at the park, it's very like surface level, like, oh, I'm doing good. Great. Like, you know, you don't like approach someone and, and someone's like, I've had a really sucky day, you know, like normally in our very initial conversations with people around us, we try and be positive. We want our life to seem perfect. We're naturally competitive, like as our our culture. And so we're not going to go tell like other people how shitty our life is right now. That's just what I was going to say is that I think as women, we're naturally competitive. So you want to put on this perfect image and then in turn, that person is going to feel less than because they're comparing yourself themselves to you possibly. And we're all doing it to each other. So I think it's a matter of being vulnerable with someone and saying, yeah, actually I did have a really bad day and just being open to talking about that. And, but it's hard. Cause like you said, no one wants, everyone wants to seem like they have it all together. Mm-hmm. And then social media has just amplified that. Like, I feel like this was a problem, like maybe not as big as a problem before social media, but I still feel like women were, you know, they always thought like that mom has it all together, like before social media period. I think social media has just like amplified it all, but I don't know if we could just all try and be like, you know, our most authentic self with everyone and just set that example, I think would help. Even at our Austin book club meeting last night, a girl in the group said like, it's not even social media for her. Like she literally feels like we all, like everyone else in the group has clean houses, no dog hair on the couch, dishes done. Like she feels like all of us are so put together and that she's the one like that sucks at life. 
And of course we like sat there and told her like, that's not true. <laughs> like our lives are messes too. But for her, this had nothing to do with social media. She even felt like her inner circle um, has it all together too. And I think we're so hard on ourselves too. And even if we do go over to a friend's house and we see that, oh, their place is spotless, we make the assumption that every day their place is spotless. And odds are they probably, like everybody else, picked up moments before they had guest over. So moments, yes. seconds even. <laughs> yeah. So true. Okay. So the next question I'm going, um, to the chapter called ears. So I'm on page one Oh five. And this is the chapter where Glennon is talking about, she takes her two daughters to go get their ears pierced. And, Tish, the younger one, who is, like, seriously so smart beyond her age, is just very dedicated to her decision. She hops up into the chair. She gets her ears pierced, and she doesn't even, like, cry. She said it was easy. And the older daughter saw it, saw Tish getting hers done and decided that this was not the the time for her to get her ears pierced. And the piercer you know, kind of made her feel bad by saying like, your little sister just did it. Like, come on, be brave. Look how brave your little sister was. And Glennon kind of set on that statement and talked to her daughters about bravery and what it's like to be brave. I wanted to ask y'all like, what does bravery mean to you? And what does it look like for y'all to be a little bit more brave in y'all's life? For me, bravery is pretty much doing the right thing, regardless of how much it's going to suck. Giving that public apology or that's, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. It's like doing the right thing, even when you know it's going to be really, really hard or even just doing, doing the thing that's right for you that you know is right, even if it's not really the easiest thing. So like, you know, quitting your job or finally confronting that friend who you have a really toxic dynamic with having that conversation. And then the, what does bravery, what does bravery mean to me in my life? Right. Was that the second part? Yeah. What does it look like for you to be more brave in your life? Huh. Well, definitely would need to release more music and that's what I'm working on. But I think the bravest thing and like the most metal thing you can do in your life is to be yourself, to say what you mean and, um, not be apologetic about it. And that's like very, it's very rock and roll. Yeah. It's brave. Everyone, I'm going to link Sarah's song in this podcast description. It's so good. We it's are so good. It's Thank you. Again, I um, wish I wrote it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Your voice is literally magic. Thank and you. everyone should, after this podcast, listen to it because it's really great. I'm waiting for the next one. Can we get a yes? What's in the I'm works? working on it. I I just need some guitar, some bass, and they're they're supposed to be recording this week. But I have two more in the pipeline. Did the arrangement for a third, but then I'm I have some original stuff that I'm really trying to get the like the musical accompaniment worked out for. Cause I just started learning guitar, but there's actually a piano here at this Verbo that I'm staying at, and so I've been working out the different like backing tracks with it. So. Can we get an album? Just no, a whole I'm, album. I really want to have an EP, like a four or five song EP out for my birthday. And I feel like that's doable. It's in uh, it's in less than six months. I think it's doable. I think I found like a band and all this stuff. We'll see. I think it's coming together. I don't know. My my The Pattern app has been saying some really interesting stuff about an adventure that awaits me. So stay <laughs> tuned, everyone. I think that's a good goal, though. Like, it's good to dream big, you know? Ooh, yeah. 
Yeah. Sometimes I get too caught up in the dreams that I forget about the work that it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. But all part of the process. Yeah, anyway, exactly. <laughs> what does bravery mean to y'all? <laughs> I mean, just going along those lines, I think it means doing what scares you sometimes and what, like, maybe the consequences of doing that thing scare you and saying something even if it does lead to an uncomfortable conversation, but you know, it's the right thing to do. Um, and I think it's all centered around yourself and not the opinions of others. Cause in this example, the woman was like, I mean, I use the word encouraging her, but it was almost like peer pressure, but with the word bravery tied into it. So well, yeah. yeah. Having someone tell you, oh, you're not brave. I mean, that's, that's not a good feeling. That's what she was implying. Yeah. I feel like bravery is one of those words that the, our culture has like distorted for us. And so like in the Webster dictionary, there's tons of definitions for brave but the first one is the adjective that says ready to face and endure danger or pain, showing courage. And so I feel like growing up, we've been taught as like bravery, as like being strong, showing courage, getting your ear pierced, your little sister just did it. But like Glennon and most of her chapters in the book, has like a more in-depth like definition for almost everything and it's like kind of rewiring like what that bravery looks like like what Emily and Sarah said like it's that inner voice like following that inner voice not letting culture dictate what you do or the people around you um and just like following that knowing like that's the ultimate bravery Marie, do you have any thoughts on it? No, I'm, I, I agree with what you guys said. And I think ultimately I'm trying to think of like ways I could be more brave as like an adult now and things just look a little different. Um, and I think ultimately I have potential to be more brave when my biggest thing to overcome is rejection I feel like that's probably where we find where we start to like pull back um, is just the fear of being rejected, whether that's for um, a friend group or a role or um, maybe an art piece that fell flat, like anything that someone else would perceive. So I could do a better job and be more brave and just not have, like care about that part. I love that. I think that's really great advice. Same. And I think that that's something like getting used to that rejection. I feel like it's something you never quite get used to instead of like, I think it's more of like a muscle you always have to build up. I know that like all of us face a lot of rejection in life and I'm sure at work and personally. So I feel you there. Like, <laughs> Rejection still stings, even when you've been through so many of them. Yeah, I think that's great. And all of y'all, I mean, I think we're in a time right now, like just the current temperature of our world is needing some true bravery. And I think that we can all just be braver with our life. If we see injustice, speak out, just all of that, anything that's uncomfortable, um, but that you feel that nudge in your heart, just kind of like doing it, even though like I even like journaled about how I could be brave. And it was almost like I have that initial nudge, like when a problem comes up in my head or I'm having a conflict at work, like I have a very initial nudge, like this is what you should do. But then I like talk myself out of not doing that nudge because maybe I'll hurt her feelings or maybe that's not how I should act or like, or I don't know, like I literally like talk myself out of it. And it's like, 
why didn't I just stick with the initial gut feeling that I had? I don't know. That's what I am trying to do better of. Like just, if I have that feeling, pursue it. Yeah, totally. It's hard. (laughs) It's really hard. I, I I get caught up in the, the steps or actions that would have to after that thing was said. However, I mean, you can't always predict or know that that is the exact outcome that's going to happen. Like you could be very surprised about how the other person reacts. Yeah. And I'm not saying that we should all like fly by the seat of our pants on decision-making. Like there are definitely decisions that need to be thought out. I'm not saying like, you know, gut reactions are always right. I'm just saying the times that I haven't followed my personal like truth and my true North, I ended up acting in a way that wasn't brave for me. And Mm -hmm. so just like learning from that, I guess what, but it is, it's so freaking hard. Ooh. So is that what it boils down to? Bravery is following your true North. For me, I think that's what it is. Yeah. I think so for me too. Cause like I've said a million times, Oh my God, it's so hard. It's really hard sometimes because you worry about what other people are going to think and you worry about what you're going to think and and you worry about what somebody's going to say, all this. Yeah. Okay. The next question is on the chapter terms. And this is the chapter where Glennon kind of meets another author named Liz and they've established this really beautiful friendship about it's not all about like texting and liking my Instagram photo. Like as long as you give me respect and love, like we can be friends. And they have this beautiful friendship where they might not talk for weeks, but like when they see each other, they pick up right where they left off. And Glennon's telling this story about how this woman is waiting for God to appear in her life. And she's, on a mountain, freezing, but she keeps saying, if you exist, God, send help. A little while later, a helicopter circled around and dropped a ladder. The woman said, nope, go away. I'm waiting for God. Then a park ranger walked by and asked, you need some help, sister? The woman said, nope, go away. I'm waiting for God. The woman froze to death. She showed up at the gates of heaven, pissed, and demanded, Why, God, why did you let me die? And God said, Honey, I sent you a helicopter. I sent you a park ranger. What the hell were you waiting for? And Glennon had this revolution that Liz is her park ranger. That, like, he, Liz is sent from the universe or God or, like, whatever you believe in. But, like, Liz is sent for this healing, for Glennon to kind of talk through this whole decision that she's doing with her family and the transition. So my question is, what is your helicopter or park ranger in your life? It doesn't always have to be a person. It can also be a situation that you're in. I just wanted to hear... Who or what do y'all think the universe is sending to you or God is sending to you? I don't want to blurt it out. Blurt <laughs> it. Do it. it. Okay, I've been looking for a new job, you guys. I'm going to say it for a year, like literally for a year. I've been to so many final round interviews with really good companies. I mean, really good companies, final round interview. I get to the last one and they go with the other candidate. And this has happened over and over and over and over again. And actually today I was going to say like, this is my low, but like today I got, I heard word from this company I've been interviewing with for six months and they were like, you know what? Sorry. We went with the other candidate. I'm like, okay, you know what? And I was, I was furloughed a couple of months ago and then they said, your, your position's gone. Okay. I feel like this is some kind of a sign. Like, I feel like this is, it's crazy to think that this is a sign. But on the other hand, like all of these events together, like, I feel like it's I feel like it's my park ranger and I I think I know what it's telling me. I think I'm getting some clarity on that, but that that's 
definitely some kind of sign if like I'm unable, if I get so close to so many different great jobs over and over again and just don't get them. Like what? I'm even working with a career coach too. And she's like, no, you're great. You're a great candidate. Like I've sought help. I I'm doing everything I can. And I think it's a sign. Maybe it's a sign that, you know, I just, I just need to kick back and live a life of pleasure. Who knows? <laughs> no, completely. I mean, we talked last night in the awesome book club about like a lot of our signs are from hurt, like breakups or rejection, but like it actually led to self-growth or like a different path in life that, I mean, Sarah, I think I, what the universe is trying to tell you, I don't, I don't want to put that on you, but like hurt sometimes is from like the universe and God Mm -hmm. to kind of direct us. No. And that's, that's what I just was talking about the pattern app earlier, but that's what the pattern app is saying. It's like, Oh, it's an initiation. You're being put on a life path. Pay attention to whatever resistance you're meeting right now, because it's trying to tell you something. Okay. All right. That's fine. Instead of beating yourself up about that. And I mean, seeing it more, as more than rejection and not letting yourself spiral. Cause I think that's how I would be. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I, I feel like it's happened so many times now that I don't really spiral. I just kind of saw the email and I was like, yep. Par <laughs> for the course, like sent a screenshot to my mom and I was like, yeah, I knew it. Cause they hadn't gotten back to me on Monday and bad news travels slowly. I was like, okay. The other candidate is accepting their offer. It's okay. I don't. It's fine. I'll I'll be okay. But I mean, it, it's it, it still fucking sucks. Eh, we don't have we don't have to silver line it. It still sucks getting rejected. I don't know. Like, I I don't even know if I want to stay in Austin anymore. That's the thing. Like, there. Right. Yeah. I'm like, should I just move back to Tennessee? Like, because I've been talking to my boyfriend for the last couple of weeks. I'm like, hey, like. Maybe we can move to Tennessee. That would be kind of cool, but whatever. I don't, nothing's, nothing's set in stone. I shouldn't even be talking about this, but like nothing's set in stone at all. Yeah. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I've talked so much on this podcast already. I'm so curious to hear about what y'all's helicopters and park rangers are. I think you're very wise, Sarah, and I love Aww. hearing from you. Oh, my heart. Thank you. Plus one. Man, if only the job interviewers <laughs> <laughs> It'd be the worst business owner. I'd be like, you get a job, you get a job. We they no were problem. so nice. Yeah, I would be too. Who else? Who else has a situation like the helicopter or a certain person in their life, like the park ranger? I think there's like just different kinds of helicopters and park rangers. Like you've had that like abrupt moment, whether it be like a car accident and things like your perspective changes or a breakup, which is like tough. But then I was also thinking like my initial, um, kind of answer that came to mind once you said it was just around the friendships that I've developed over the past like year ish, which was a slow helicopter. But I mean, to Glennon's point, like it's really, been the help that I never thought I needed, but definitely now that I look back and reflect and it didn't happen overnight. So I think they come in like different forms. I know we talk about it a lot, but like BTC is a huge part of that. Like meeting all these really awesome women, um, to be challenged and and kind of grown in a, a new way. That was my helicopter. That's what I think, too. I mean, this group has been so many different ways shown me things about myself that I didn't necessarily know that I needed to dig into or learn about myself, but it's given a space for me to. And then, yeah, there's so many different events and just little signs. Um And I guess it changes from things to like my career path and then my love life too. I mean, of course, breakups, like at the time, I mean, my last breakup was not my decision and it was the best thing that ever happened. So 
it's just, it's, it's crazy to think. I don't just have, it's of course in the moment, it's hard to have perspective. Like why, why, why is this happening? But knowing that there is something that can come out of it helps. Yeah. My helicopter and park ranger, like, I think I have one of those every day. Like, I'm just like, there's like something every day that like reveals like, oh, this is right. Or that I'm hurting in this, in this way, like anything, like, it's just like some, I'm getting like a presence of like God or the universe, like in some way, like whether it's like a sunset, like last night at Zilker, like I was just like with the book club and the sun was setting and it like, wasn't actually hot. Like it was like breezy. And I was like, this is it. Like, this is God saying like, you're supposed to be here. Um, even quarantine, right? Like, even though it was like disastrous and like the economy and like people's health, like it was really scary and like an uncertain time, but I found like so much of myself in this period and what matters to me, how I want to build my family. Like I did a lot of like soul searching, like it was definitely needed. I don't think if quarantine would have happened, I like would be on a completely different path. It's just, so I think like everything, it's just so weird how the universe and God works or like whatever you believe in. Like it just all seems to like fit in after time passes. And you're like, I can't believe that this ugly disaster turned into this. It's like, always he's always making things like new and beautiful and renewed. And like, I just think that's crazy. Like, um, and like the story says, it's like a matter of keeping your eyes open for it. Um, you know, and like making an effort to look out for those things because especially in this day and age, it's so easy to be distracted and not pay attention and be negative instead of trying to have a positive outlook on the situation. Yeah. Completely. I have so many questions, but I just want to ask one more because I think we would be on this call for an hour. <laughs> and we talked about doing a shorter episode this episode and the next part three episode to have another 30 minutes. So we're trying to keep this episode short, but um, I'm going to go on to the chapter Beach House. I'm on page 120. And this is when Glennon's friend is having some issues connecting with her family. She feels like they're always on the phone at dinner. And like, as the mom, she feels like she's kind of like losing control and connection with her kids. And so she has this facade that like, if she just gets the kids and her husband to the beach house, like everything would be better. And Glennon asked her, like, what does it look like to create the beach house, like, in your own home? And so the mom ends up, like, at dinner, like, having a basket for the phones. And, like, over time, like, the family starts healing and enjoying each other's company and, like, having that hour a night, like, not connected to phones and connecting face-to-face. So Glennon ends this chapter with a poem And I'm just going to read it real quick. I want a minute to take a deep breath. I want rest, peace, and passion. I want good food and true, wild, intimate sex. I want relationships with no lies. I want to be comfortable in my own skin. I want to be seen and to be loved. I I want joy and safety for my children and for everyone else's children. I want justice for all. I want help, community, and connection. I want to be forgiven, and I want to finally forgive. I want enough money and power to stop feeling afraid. I want to find my purpose down here and live it out fully. I want to look at the news and see less pain and more love. I want to look at the people in my life and really see them and love them. 
I want to look in the mirror and really see myself and love myself. I want to feel alive. My question for y'all, well, first off, like how, what, what, what feelings come up when I like just read that poem? Did she write that? Who wrote that? Yeah, Glennon wrote that. Okay, she really went for it, starting with like the wild, intimate sex one. <laughs> like, yeah. I was reading this and I was like, okay, she really wants this. All right, we're we're being honest here. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming she will, she wrote it because she like opens it up by saying, "I spent the last decade of my life listening to women talk about what they desire most. Mm. This is what I want to tell women." And then okay. she. So I'm assuming she wrote it. Yeah, she didn't even, she didn't bury it. She did not bury it in the 10th line. Mm -mm. For me, I was just thinking, you know, all humans, I think fundamentally, we all want these things. True. And no matter what our differences are, at the end of the day, everybody wants these fundamental things and we all deserve to have these things. But of course, I mean, we know that I don't know. There's so much hate going on in the world right now. And it's, I don't know, like we, we all want these things and I don't think it's too much to ask for. I love that. Yeah. So when opening this poem, she said, I have spent the last decade of my life listening to women talk about what they desire most. And so like the woman was desiring connection with her family, she was trying to feed that desire with the beach house. But there are solutions that she could have done, like right now, tonight, at dinner, to feed that desire of connection. So my question is, like, what desires do y'all have right now, just in your life? I mean, deep question. Um, I think just with like the current state of the state, I'm kind of like in that place where I'm like uncomfortable and I'm now like realizing that this is people's every day and that they live in this, like, just like heaviness and they like crave protection and they crave security and they crave safety of their family members and, and, like friends. And so I think like I I desire so many things right now, but I think right now I just most desire safetyness for my friends and family and the people around me in my community. I would agree with that. Definitely. I mean, for the whole entire world, I want those things. Um, And I guess it's funny you asked us what we want in our personal lives, but I feel like just seeing all the news right now it's it's hard to focus on well it's not hard to focus on yourself I don't it's like it puts perspective into what you desire for others you know what about you Sarah what are your desires y'all know what I want (laughs) <laughs> I, I didn't even want to answer. It was like, I've said it a million times. I just want to get this music out. I want to find the right band, all this stuff. I want to actually go after my dreams and this and that. And I feel like a broken record at this point, but I just write about it every day and, um, Keep try to affirming take, it. yeah, try to take little steps of action toward it every day. I feel like a fraud now, honestly, just cause I've talked about it so much. Um, so I've got to get the product out there. So I can wave it in the face of, of, uh, collaborators and people who can help. But yeah, y'all know what I want. <laughs> and I, I think won't to, sorry. No, no, you're, I was just gonna say, I won't, I won't say it again. <laughs> no, you should say it, put it into the universe. Exactly. And keep affirming it every yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the line, oh, I just closed my book about seeing others as they really are and like truly listening and seeing others and seeing their authentic self. I think I could work on that more. Um, And that just goes with being in the moment. So 
I think I'm desiring to have less distractions and being in the moment more and focusing on what impact you can have by listening to another person and whether like you're impacting them or they're going to impact you. Yeah. The, the key here is to then, once you know your desires to then look at how you're filling those desires. Right. So like if Sarah's desire is to like really get these songs out in six months, okay, well, is she doing the work every day or like, how is she fulfilling it? And like, Emily, if yours is like not to be distracted and to find your true creativity, like, are you putting boundaries on Instagram or like whatever is your distracted distraction? Um, I think for me, like my ultimate desire is just to like feel at peace with my life and like what's happening like in the world. That doesn't mean that it's okay. It's just to like feel a sense of like this. I have a purpose. Like I am at peace. I know that, that I'm being authentic and like I'm following my true North. And sometimes I feel that desire with, I'm using air quotes for our podcast listeners, <laughs> happiness. And like by happiness, it's like, I might take two road trips because I want to avoid my life. And just like, and I'm not saying like traveling is bad. I'm just saying I was definitely avoiding something when I like made those decisions instead of like sitting with myself and sitting with my thoughts. And I, I don't know. It's just like feeding that the desire of peace is really hard. It's, trialing it's a lot of quiet time it's a lot of journaling and that shit is exhausting Mm -hmm. the brain power yeah it's really hard to do and yeah it's just hard to navigate all of that and you know doing it while not numbing with anything is really hard too but And like you said, it's for a lot of people, including myself, hard to prioritize. And I think we talked about this on another episode with Brie, like prioritizing alone time with yourself. Because if someone invites you to go do something, but you had scheduled alone time or journaling time, how likely are you to be like, oh, sure, I'm not I'm not doing anything. Right. Yeah, it's a promise you have to keep to yourself. And it's so crazy that those promises are the easiest ones to break. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> because especially, like I was telling Sarah, especially if you're not voicing them to anybody else. So I think, Sarah, by you talking about it with us and talking about it on the podcast, you're not only holding yourself accountable, but right. we are going to hold you accountable. You know, so I think it's a good thing to talk about. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, uh, at, this, at this point, the thing is, I just feel a little bit silly because it's taken me like this. It's taken me so much longer than I thought it would. And there's been so many crazy roadblocks. And so like, it took me like two months to get one cover song out. Like, I didn't even write that song. And like, I've had the vocal ready for two other songs for a month now. And I'm like, okay, chop, chop. Come on guys. Like, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Like, people won't just do what I want at the snap of my fingers. That's, that's so whack. But I think that's why I try to refrain from saying it so often. Cause I really, really do want to have that finished product to show people to prove to myself and to prove to everybody else that I am working. I'm serious about this. Uh, you just have to give yourself grace. Like I have that same feeling about BTC, like being a company, like I started this almost two years in November. Like how are we not an official company how is this not my full-time job like I you just have to like give yourself grace and like you're working as hard as you can you have a great team and like as long as you're doing your job and doing it as hard as you possibly can then that's all you can do right I guess so. I, it, that's the struggle too. It's like, am I working as hard as I possibly can? That's, that's a rough question to decide. It's like, okay, I could do a little bit more. 
<sighs> mm, fun stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, I love this discussion. This was good. I can't wait to wrap up next podcast will be the whole entire book. We'll be finishing part three. This was an epic book. Just for all of our listeners that's wondering, BTC decided to take a stance on racial injustice, and we decided to um, read a book to educate ourselves on this topic. So the next book is going to be, so you want to talk about race and you can get it on our website. All of the profits are going to Color of Change, which is a nonprofit that fights this type of um, racial injustice battle. And so um, none of the profits will be going to BTC. And you can get it there. And um, we'll be coming out with the chapter calendar soon once I get the book and download it. But it's not going to start till July. So just like get your book, get prepared to have these conversations because the least we can do as a community is start having these types of conversations. So we know they're going to be uncomfortable. We know they're going to be vulnerable, but um, we, we just have to dive in and learn everything we can about this. Okay, we're wrapping up the podcast with highs and lows. Who wants to go first? I mean, I'll go first because I feel like I just talk, I, I talked about my highs and lows, so we can be quick and get that out of the way. But um, low was definitely getting a rejection from a job I've been interviewing for a long time. I mean, I'm it. It kind of sucked, but I'm not. I'm not super torn up about it, but. Again, I think it might be a helicopter or a park ranger or whatever we want to call it. And my high is that I'm in Colorado and it's beautiful and it snowed last night and I didn't make a snow angel, which I'm realizing now, but Mm -hmm. the dog's loving it. Uh, It's just really nice to get outside of a city and enjoy some nature and it's great. I'm trying to figure out if I can stay an extra week. so jealous i'm so glad you're there yeah it's so Mm -hmm. hot here like i'm so glad you're there you're getting fresh mountain air Mm -hmm. and like honestly i encourage you to just like be creative Mm -hmm. like Um, journal outside like do all of that mm -hmm. i i brought a new journal and then started playing with that (laughs) with that electric piano today i i was harassing chance with the drum kit sound effect (laughs) he's like i'm going outside (laughs) he's being really nice (laughs) um i'll go so and i shared this with you guys earlier this week so i have um a guy in my family he is black his name is DeForian, but we call him tiki because when he smiles he's got these like really predominant cheekbones and he looks like a tiki doll and he's been a part of our family since I what my freshman year of college um and so my parents and their best friends also have just a boatload of kids and he was their uh one of their son's best friend in high school and since they had a ton of kids and I had just moved out Tiki lived with my family for a little bit. He has lived with their family. So like, he's kind of like our resident, like he's got the special table at the the Thanksgiving dinner. And I say this all to say, like, I see him as like my brother, um, even though he's not technically my blood, um, small world. He's also from Mississippi. And so when people like introduce him and they're like, Oh, you guys must have like, like met up in, in Mississippi. Um, Anyway, he is a Baptist preacher, and he is the kindest soul you'll ever meet, give you the shirt off of his back type of person. Um, And with all of this, he's been really outspoken in um, racial injustice. He's actually been like this for years, Um, and so this is, like, not something new to his conversations. And earlier this week, he—actually, someone carved into his Jeep— hate speech and it was just like very like gut-wrenching I'm even talking about it I'm like it just hurts that people would not know him and still just do something so cruel 
just cruel at the end of the day. So all that to say, um, a couple of his friends had caught word of this and his community is rallying. So while that's my like low, how his community has just like backed him, um, and supported him, his neighbors are like standing watch. Um, they like made a GoFundMe and had it paid for in like an hour. Um, I had already like offered to pay and they were like the GoFundMe. So all that to say is like, it really brought the good to the surface, which has been so, I sleep better at night knowing like that he, he has really good allies that are close to him being 600 miles away. That's tougher. Um, so it's been a, a weird week, but definitely a growing week, um, for a lot of people and especially in Clinton, Mississippi, it's been a really growing week for that community. And so all that to say is Tiki is like still making such a huge impact. Obviously he wasn't happy that someone did that, but um, I think the effects of this are going to go so much farther than someone keying his car. Completely. I was just going to say that. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll still like pray for Tiki's like safety and like that wise words come to his lips while he's talking. And I mean, totally. it's still unfortunate that this is still happening. Like, but also it's amazing to see like his community rally around him. Totally. My prayer has been that he continues to be brave. He continues to be bold he says the things that people don't want to hear but need to hear. And like our families have been like, hey, Tiki, when this happens again, we'll pay for it again. And when it happens the next day, we'll pay for it the next day. Like keep proclaiming your truth um, because that's who needs to hear most. Yep. I love that. I'll go. My low is... I'm having some medical issues. I don't know what it is. I see a doctor on Thursday, but I'm just nervous about it. And so um, I don't really do doctors. My mom doesn't do doctors. And my mom also doesn't do dentist or anything like that. So I have gotten in the habit of the same thing. Like I've never had braces. I literally have never seen a dentist like my whole life. So I'm nervous that I've had something that because of my lack of like medical seeing doctors, I didn't catch something. I'm just nervous, but I'm going to like put it in the universe that everything's okay. And it's just going to be like a hiccup and probably something that is like easily like by antibiotics and all that. My high is... Probably, I don't know. I, me and Alex, I hope he's not listening because <laughs> he's like literally cooking right behind the wall that I'm recording. But we've had some like really like vulnerable conversations together about like what our life looks like, how we're going to parent, like what are our hopes and dreams. And almost like in the section we didn't talk about in this part that we discussed today in Untamed, there's a chapter called Boys. And it's all about like the cages that men are into, like that they like have to be like masculine and they can't be vulnerable and they can't talk about like things that raise emotion. And um, having those conversations with Alex was like really refreshing. And I just like feel closer to him than I ever have. And which like says a lot because I didn't know I could get closer to him, but he, he just like really opened up about like our family's dreams and like wants in the world. And that's just like giving me like a lot of inspiration and hope and love. And it's a big high for me. I love that. Yeah. I had him actually read, um, untamed. <laughs> Oh really? Uh, really? What's he yeah, think? Only yeah. How does he like? I, it? I only told him to read a couple chapters. So he read like um, 
the terms chapter he read that I forgot. Like I need to like scroll through real quick. Um, I'm writing this down. I'm, I'm like curious. Yeah. Okay. So he started at poems, which was when Glennon took the cell phone from her son, Chase, because she felt like her son was not being his true creative self. So that's what opened the conversation. Like I had Alex read that and he was like, wow, like that's a really brave way to parent. Like, you know, doing like counterculture to get the best out of, you know, your child's life. And then that next chapter is boys. And I was like, well, you might as well read boys. Cause that's like talking all about like how men are caged. And so then he read that and he's like, Oh my God. Like that is literally my, like Glennon talks about this whole story about her husband went out to eat with like his best friend. That's a new dad. And he came home and Glennon was like, what's the baby's name? And her husband was like, I don't know. And she was like, wait, what do you mean? You don't know? Like how, how is the wife doing? And he was like, I, I didn't ask. And she's like, okay, well, like, and ended up, he was like, we just talked about sports and the weather. And, like, that is so true in boy culture. Like, they are not vulnerable and emotional with each other, which means they're not the same way with us as women and wives and girlfriends. And so giving them the space to kind of learn how to be vulnerable because it's not something that they were taught. Yeah, no one, and, no one teaches them that. Yeah. And so he was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And then it started, the next chapter after that was talks, which is like the sex talk with your kid. So he was just like kind of started reading all of those chapters and just thought like got really inspired to be like, you know, maybe I should be more vulnerable. And like life isn't always about sports and like surface level stuff and like, how do I want my kids to be raised? And, like, when I have a son or a daughter, what does that look like? I don't know. I'm not saying me and Alex are trying to get pregnant, but, like, it was just, like, a f- really a refreshing to hear him talk about, like, how he wants to be a father and do things differently. And I was just like, wow, you should get, like, untamed tattoo on your heart. <laughs> so you never forget this. But that was my high. Emily, what was yours? Um, so, I mean, just the past few weeks have just been really heavy with all, with like the death of George Floyd. And, um, I think it's just made me, so this is like highs and lows, but it's made me relook at my life and what I considered my problems. And I've just had a different perspective And it's focused my attention on others who have been experiencing this pain their whole entire lives and for years and years and years. Um, And I've had some conversations with my parents, which has been awesome. I mean, they've always been very open to having conversations, um, but this time it was about race and what is happening and to be able to educate them on what I'm learning because I'm still educating myself. And I'm very excited that Maddie, you did make the announcement that we are going to be reading um, a book on the topic. I think that was brave because we could have easily not done that. And I'm really excited that we're doing that. My work is also having a book club, um, so I'm also will be reading a book um, at work, which I'm excited about. So, yeah, lots of mixed emotions this these yeah. few weeks. Yeah, we got some pushback about doing that, about um, reading a race book. But just like we talked about in this podcast, like I had that gut feeling and I'm not going to we're going to go with that. Like BTC is going to be moving on that. And so um, it just felt right. And being brave was like the only option, you know, like 
we can't keep turning a blind eye and like not having these discussions and like truly the white community and BTC is like majority white women. Like we need to be having these discussions of like what white privilege looks like and like just being like really open. It's nothing to be scared of or ashamed of. It's how we grew up and culture. Like we just need to start rewiring it. And the only way to start like neuroplasticity is talking about it and having this space. And so I know it's going to be uncomfortable, like, and BTC will not always have the right answers. Like I've never read a book about race. So it's going to be like, you know, nerve wracking, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to do brave things, you know? Love it. I like that we're reading this book. I also, I think I'd be really interested going forward. And I know we've talked about this to like read more like diverse authors. And I know, you know, we've had these conversations and we're all interested. So I think this will usher in just a, a a great new chapter for us. I completely agree. Looking at like our recommended book list and how many of those authors are white men or white women and maybe looking at some other amazing authors and adding yeah, those in the mix too. Uh, yeah. Like Isabella Allende or have we read, <laughs> we read Michelle Obama's autobiography because I still haven't. <laughs> I want to. I, I actually I've been wanting, coming. <laughs> I just yeah. watched the documentary today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, would love, I would love to read that. I think I may just read that independently, but I would love to read that as a group too. Yeah, I think it's going to end up being really healing for a lot of people. I think it's going to be self-discovery for a lot of people. Um, And I think we're going to be more equipped on the conversation and not just kind of, oh, it's not my problem. I don't need to worry about that type of thing. Not saying that all of our members think that way. No, you're right. But I just know... Me personally, and I'm not ashamed to say this, but like I have not struggled with racism. So it hasn't been like a hot topic to solve. Like truly, I was like, this even still exists? Like, and now that I'm doing all this research about like redlining of communities and like loan forgiveness and like who gets loan, like it's literally maddening. Like I've become I've become like kind of obsessed with it now because I Truly, I wasn't raised, like, thinking this way. And so... Yeah, we don't have a lot of educational opportunities to learn these things, too. Like, I'm not, like, an expert, clearly. I'm, like, no. But I went to college in Memphis. And, like, again, not an expert, but we took, like, a civil rights class and, like, took, like, classes on how cities become what they are and, and... inequalities that arise from that. And I mean, I'll talk about that during our other book, but I never, I didn't learn anything about that until college, literally nothing. I knew that my school had a free and reduced lunch program. And I knew that I went to like a more diverse high school, but that was about it. And that was where it stopped. And yeah, so I think that this will be a really eye opening time. Yeah. And I think it's going to have ripple effects to not just the members of BTC, but everyone's friends, everyone's families, like they're going to move throughout their lives, hopefully in a better way. Yeah. One of the main reasons, this is what really um, kind of pushed me forward is that I truly believe that everybody in BTC like has a great heart. And if they're in BTC and they follow our like mission statement and our core values, like they're changing their communities or like their families or, you know, like their inner circle. Like I just really believe like all of our members are super special and they mean well, but if you're not educated and you don't know what to stand up for, you're not going to talk right. When the subject of race comes up and you kind of don't know about it, it's not, not being brave. It's just like, you don't know. So you're not going to open your mouth. And so one of like, I finally was like for our members, our 500 plus members to be brave on this subject, it starts with education. So to know that like 
500 of us are going out into the world, like standing up for injustices. Like I was like, okay, like we, we got to do this. And I do think it's going to be like really beautiful for BTC, like moving forward. I think we're going to read more diverse authors, not even authors. I want to read different types of books. I thought about like doing a poetry book, like just Mm. things that are like different. Like we don't always have to read self-help from, a white woman, like, even though they're fantastic, don't get me wrong. There's other things. Like- yeah. And I, I can see how we would be choosing those over and over again though. Cause like overwhelmingly, the overwhelming majority of us are, we're a lot of us are white ladies. Like most of us are white ladies. And so like, you know, you, you pick what you know and you do what you know. Right. And-, and that's, um, at my work right now, they're offering, um, it's called unconscious bias training. Oh yeah. That was, that's a perfect example of that. We're unconsciously, have a bias towards these certain types of books and then we're reading these certain and it's just like a cycle. So I almost think it's like, it, cause if I'm honest, I don't think I've ever looked up anyone. Like even when we were reading when breath becomes air, I didn't think I knew he was an Indian man until like halfway through the book. What? But <laughs> my bad. Um, no, no. Uh, I, <laughs> I was like, what? I'm just like, could you not tell by the last name? I'm <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Brie. You're right. I'm not trying I to totally cut off. You mean, but there's um, my last name is Soche with an I E R at the end, and like who knows what it is. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I don't think I like consciously make an effort to like do that type of research. So I'm really glad that we're like taking a couple steps back and like n- not that we were selecting because of race or anything, but just like making sure, are we leveling out our basis in all ways? Just it's, it's something that you don't, I just have never looked up an author until honestly, when breath becomes air, when I was like, Oh, what did this person look like? I guess Maria furlough. Isn't she on the cover? Yeah. 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 Right. All right. Well, I love y'all. I think you're awesome. Y'all are all changing the world. And like y'all's inner circle and your community and your coworkers and your boyfriends and girlfriends, whatever you have, like I think all of y'all are dogs. making a difference. Dog. Dogs, all of it. All right. I love you. Have a good night, everyone. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.